Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Best Fit Body Podcast. I'm Elle, and I am one of your hosts, and I have Jules with me, my co-host. How are you doing, Jules? Hello, everybody. I am doing great. Doing good. How we, about you? We're good. Yeah. We're we're amped up for this episode, and every time we do sit down to do a podcast, we do get amped up. It's just making that time for the podcast, but you guys love it and leave us such amazing reviews and people call us and email us inquiring about programs and we find out that you came from the podcast so we really love that and we just love any support that you guys give so welcome to another episode today we are going to talk about vegetarianism and veganism we're going to talk about your physique goals your fat loss goals your health goals and we are going to cover a little bit of the history why veganism is great for some people, why it's not so great, and how to incorporate it into your life if that is a lifestyle that you want to live all while making progress towards your goals. Yes. And and I do want to just jump back to the something that you said at the very beginning. We are getting a lot of people giving us feedback on our podcast and it's wonderful. And the thing that I have enjoyed hearing a lot from those of you who have shared some of your feedback is that you find us informative, but also that you can understand and relate to what we're talking about. And that's really important to us as coaches, because we try to stay contemporary with what is going on out there in the world, but also bring back the whole sense of what you're doing now, because it may be, and I'm using those air quotes, popular or happening on trendy, what's happening on you see on social media. But it usually is like fashion, it comes back around, maybe it's a different color or slightly a different version. But it is really interesting to get that feedback. So keep that coming. And if you are listening to this podcast, for the first time, or maybe like me, I even listened to our podcast a few times over, that you share um, your comments, uh, hit the like button. Also share with your friends because these topics, we again, we hope are going to be informative and also appropriate. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah we're just going to toot our own horn for a second, pat ourselves on the back, <laughs> I guess that was, that was a little intermission for that. But we do, we love it. We love the feedback. We love staying up to date. We like talking about these touchy subjects and the touchy things, you know, when people are telling you to eat Starburst during your bodybuilding workout, we're going to, we're going to continue to bust some myths and talk about the real things. And we sometimes turn on the news and we're listening to some, I always say Dr. Oz, because I don't even know the names of anybody else, but we do listen to some of these things that people talk about. And we just wish more of the general population had the truth and not just what sells, not just what's a hot topic that, you know, you can say that deli meat's going to kill you or something like that. So that's why we do this. That's why we talk about relevant things and anything that you guys are interested or confused about, use us as a resource, ask us those questions and no doubt there'll be an episode on it. (laughs) Absolutely. And also often a lot of these things are based, or I should say, have an emotional component to it. So when we talk about people's habits or people's routines or rituals or beliefs, we tie into this emotional aspect. And sometimes the emotions can override the facts. So 
I'm always very aware of that when somebody talks to me about an adopted lifestyle, uh, whether it is, you know, anything. I'm just trying to give you an example and I can't, but, you know, when people make a choice for a particular lifestyle, and this goes directly into our conversation about veganism, because veganism really is more than just a nutrition or diet approach. For many people, veganism is a lifestyle. So we have to be careful in making judgments on people about their choices without understanding. And so I'm always very, very cautious about saying, you know, X, Y, and Z is good or bad. And Mm. people will often ask me, you know, what about the keto? Is it bad? Or what about, you know, doing this training format or whatever? I try to really reserve judgment in my explanation as well as helping you understand out there about what we're going to talk about. So yeah. So first off, I just want to ask you, Jules, say I'm a client and I'm coming to you and I have 30 pounds to lose and I kind of weight train, but I'm vegan and I eat really healthy vegan and, you know, I try to get my protein in and I only get like 70 grams a day can I do your program? Can I reach my fitness goals? Tell me how to do it. And what are my limitations? Well, you know, you asked this, you brought this great question, this great client situation. But I'm hoping that as I go through this, I'm going to give you more understanding than on a hard set answer. I guess I could give you that short little quick answer. I want say, the short, the quick short answer. little quick answer. Absolutely. Because with the approach that at least we go with, it is teaching and educating you how to make your choices work for you. And it really does always come down to the choices. And sometimes when you do adopt a particular lifestyle, sometimes the choices become more challenging. And and so then to turn around again, this goes back to that judgment and say, no, clearly you cannot do this that's putting a judgment when you never know. I don't know what, you know, with working with a client in terms of what they are willing to consider to do to improve their efforts to get to their goals. So my flat answer is absolutely yes. Good. Perfect. And that's what I wanted to make all of you understand is that you're probably listening to this because you do already eat more plant-based. You are considering giving up meat or, you know, just anything animal products, whether you're deciding just to be a vegetarian or a vegan, we have a lot of people that come in and they do say that they, they do live this way. But the big problem is that they're living this way and they're not seeing the changes in their physique with their fitness level that they'd like to make. So that is when we come in and we say, all right, well, let's look at all the variables here and see which ones we have to change. It doesn't mean flat out, you know, flat out, we're going to say, well, you need to eat animal protein to get in your protein. There's a lot of ways around it that we can make it work. And it just takes a little bit of planning and, you know, the right, the right tools. And, and commitment to sometimes making mistakes, and I don't mean making mistakes, meaning, meaning you fail, means making mistakes, finding out that maybe you made a choice that wasn't going to give you the best outcome. So then it's learning from that. So that is clearly, clearly what health and fitness is, because it is 
changing activities along the continuum of time. You know, if we could say, oh, everybody's going to pause, you're going to be exactly this age, exactly this situation, you know, and all we're doing is changing workouts or all we're doing is changing nutrition. But I wanted to jump into a little bit more of some facts for people to understand when we use the term vegan and possibly you'll hear us, we've already said it a few times, vegetarianism, because that those two are often words that people will flip between the two without a clear understanding of what it is. And obviously, if you're going to work with a coach who's going to give you guidance or a nutrition educator, then it is important that you make sure you are speaking with the same terms so you understand it. So for somebody who is vegan, that is a person who has made the choice to abstain. That means completely eliminate animal products from the diet, as well as potentially other aspects of their life. So there are people who are vegan who might wear leather shoes, but they won't consume any animal products. And then there are people who are, who across the board are, are vegans. So vegan is a person who has decided to abstain. That means eliminate all animal products from their diet but also potentially other animal products from their lifestyle. It is based more on philosophy. And that person who is a full vegan might not even wear leather shoes. They might not have a leather belt. So as I said, it's a philosophical approach and an ethical concept. There are people who will be vegan just in their diet, and that just means no animal products. Then we hear the word or the term vegetarianism, and that is more of a plant-based diet, but that person may not eat meat or other animal products. So there are qualifying words, like you might hear lacto-ovo-vegetarian, and that usually means that person is willing to eat or does eat dairy products and eggs. There's pescatarians, which I guess you could say is a fish vegetarian and pescatarian. And that person does not eat any other animal products, but will eat fish. So there are varying degrees of vegetarianism. So when I have somebody who asks me a question pertaining to a nutrition question based on one of these concepts of avoiding some or all animal products, I usually ask for some clarification because not everybody is very clear in their own mind. Are they a vegan or a vegetarian, and then within vegetarianism, what other things do they eat? I have a hard time because sometimes a client will tell me that they're vegan. They'll be like, but I eat fish and eggs and like sometimes chicken. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But it is helpful to understand that I like to say, do you eat mostly plant-based? Whereas they try to get plant-based products for their meals when they can, but it doesn't mean that they'll never eat fish or chicken or, you know... Maybe probably probably not eating bacon, but <laughs> probably not. Yeah. But maybe a, a, a sort of a, a, on occasion, an occasional. But also, most vegetarians will also you'll get a little more information if you ask them their reasons for choosing the vegetarian lifestyle. And for some people, it is for moral reasons. For some people, it is for religious reasons. There are religions that that dictate dietary restraints, and they will be a vegetarian based on religion. And there are people who choose this lifestyle for health reasons. So they may just say, you know, I don't want to eat any red meat. It doesn't fall into what they are trying to achieve with their 
with their health. So it is very important that you ask yourself as well, you know, where do I fall if I fall underneath one of these categories? And with that, what are your reasons for it? And no reason is wrong. It's your reason. This is, again, not a judgmental thing. And so if somebody tells me, you know, this is for an ethical reason, I am never going to discuss with a person with et- who has a strong ethical or religious reason other than educating them on choices within their dietary concerns or restrictions on their choice. But if it is a health reason, sometimes people will be more willing to understand, you know, the ins and outs of something. So it does help me and my other coaches coach our clients better if we can make sure that we are clear what you're looking for. You know, what what do you want to achieve with that? Anything else you want to add on that? No. So got it. yeah. So one of the um, biggest reasons that people do decide if it is not for a moral reason, if it is not for ethical or religious aspect, based on the health focus, and the big reason there is usually weight loss. Sometimes people will say, you know, they're trying to control their their blood fats, like cholesterol or lipids, um, maybe control diabetes, or again, some other health-specific goal that they may turn to a vegetarian or vegan lifestyle. And there's many different reasons why that is absolutely fantastic. The biggest one is if we can have everybody eat more plant-based products, there's a lot of great reasons for that from health-wise as as well as some balancing out of the, you know, sort of environmental situations, but which I won't go into those in great detail. But when we look at trying to achieve your nutritional needs using more plant-based proteins, it also increases your fiber. It can potentially increase a lot of other vitamins and minerals, but there are caveats depending on the degree, again, of animal products that are not included. And also, if you're not eating animal products, what might you be swapping out for it? So I'll get into that in a little bit. But why does weight loss often happen for people who decide to live more of a vegetarian or vegan lifestyle? Initially. Initially. I will say initially. (laughs) There are some people are able to sustain the weight loss after switching to a vegan or plant-based lifestyle. But it does not often stay unless you are very aware of it. Yes. And often the weight loss that happens for many people when they start a new lifestyle of eating is because they've eliminated foods or categories of foods. And there is a period of time where they haven't quite yet figured out how to balance it out in terms of energy intake. And so we see this often when when doctors will tell patients, don't eat anything white because, you know, they're trying to get their blood sugar under control or lose weight. And so immediately, if you just looked at all your food and says, well, I say, I can't eat anything white, probably for about a week or two, you be wouldn't white. eat very you much. Wouldn't eat very much, you know. And so that alone forces a caloric deficit, which is going to cause weight loss. Also, if you were eating a lot of animal products that were high in saturated fats, high in fats and calories, when you swap those, I guess, um, I don't even want to say weight for weight. So it's like, you know, you're not going to eat six ounce steak and swap it out for six ounces of salad. You probably would burst, but it is swapping 
to a higher volume food. So where you might have been eating more concentrated calories, you're then going into maybe more greens and, and vegetables. So you get full physically faster, your intake is going to come down. And that is what you see oftentimes with people who do switch from, especially if they do it a little bit more cold turkey, some people gradually swap things out, and they don't tend to seem the same amount of that rapid weight loss, I would say. But you, the ladies I have worked with who do eat as a vegan, I, I'm trying not to use those words, but the, the girls that are vegan, their fiber tends to be in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. So if you are someone who struggles to hit your fiber, maybe even if you're not vegan or plant-based, maybe switching out some of those higher fat or calorie meats for more complete proteins or other vegetables, beans that have higher protein contents, you'll also hit your fiber and you'll be Cutting back on your meat intake. <laughs> and, and your ca- total calories. And your yes. calories. And, and often people do remark at how much better they feel within the first couple of weeks because, yeah, now you're feeding yourself a whole bunch of different vitamins and minerals. And again, the fiber, you know, sometimes people making that big switch will notice a little difference. Maybe their digestive system all of a sudden starts working a little differently. And that's because you're consuming a different diet. Just going to pause for a quick second. Also, just to talk about the human body. The human body is designed to be an omnivore. I always can say omnivore. I can never say that right. Mm -hmm. But our bodies are designed to eat all sorts of things. Now, it will adapt better to more plant-based, if that's what you consume for a period of time, as well as meat-based, but you always still are able to digest it. It's the way the body is designed because we're meant to, you know, be these hunters and gatherers and hunters and gatherers, you know, so we're hunting animals and we're gathering your, our plants. So, you know, we are changing we have the opportunity to change our food intake, but our bodies are still pretty much the same. They're, they're designed to handle both. I do also want to talk a little bit as we go into this about that sort of the, the history of veganism from my experience as being in this industry for almost, almost 40 years and <laughs> the years keep ticking by, it goes longer and longer. But Elle, did you want to talk a little bit about what's going on in social media now with what you're seeing out there in the world with veganism and vegetarianism? Sure. So I, I'm i only going to focus on a very small piece of that from what I, I've been seeing because this is one of the reasons that we decided to do this podcast because we see many misconceptions from people who think that by eating vegan, they're essentially going to reach their goals. So any of the ethical or religious reasons behind it. That's not what we're focusing on right now. We're just talking about the people that have chosen to be vegan. So for example, we'll have a client come to us who's been vegan for a while. They have 50, 60, 70 pounds to lose. And we take a look at their food guide and or their their tracking app. And we see that they're eating vegan ice cream, vegan burgers, vegan chicken nuggets, you know, all these sort of different processed foods. And at the end of the day, although someone's eating vegan doesn't necessarily mean they're eating in their calorie range. So I know that you asked about social media. And this is just because these are the things that I see on social media, people posting 
all these vegan recipes that are extremely high calorie. And it just goes back to when we talk about keto and when people say, well, I don't need any processed things because I don't need any carbs, but they're eating foods that are so high in calories that it's really not doing them any good. And so it's it's the elimination part of the diet that does make it more challenging. And if you're not willing to eat the whole foods and really do the calculations for the energy balance to lead you to whatever your goal is, that's where we run into the problems with the veganism. People want to be vegan, but they also want to look a certain way. They also want to have, they have these physique goals and it absolutely can happen, but you have to have everything in place in terms of the willingness to plan everything out, cook your food, not just grab something on the go. It takes the planning and the dedication. And if you have that, you can be extremely successful with it. But a lot of times people don't have that key component, which is the dedication to make it work. It's not something that's very convenient, just like keto is not. And nowadays, there are a lot more vegan options, you know, on the go, uh, when you go out to restaurants or all sorts of dietary, you know, accommodations that restaurants and, you know, stores will make for people. But it really comes down to planning it and understanding that a calorie is a calorie and whether it comes from vegan foods or you know a full full fat full meat something it it may end up being more calories the vegan version absolutely absolutely when you know i was first studying nutrition and for the people who were vegetarians or vegans it was definitely the outlier those were the people that you know they it I almost want to say it became cult-like because so few people live that lifestyle that it was almost like two people identifying each other in a dark room going, oh my gosh, you know, you believe the same that I do or you follow the same that I do. And and it was, it was a lot, lot harder to do. And these days, you know, you can go out to a lot of restaurants and they even have little letters next to the items if it's vegan or, you know, obviously like gluten-free and all that. But it definitely is easier to identify things when you're out and about whether or not something has an animal product in it. When I was in um, graduate school, I actually did a, it was, I don't think I lasted a week. It was (laughs) probably about five days where I did eat vegan and I wasn't married to Elle's father at that time. And (laughs) I I think he kept looking at me cross-eyed every time I would put, you know, the platter of beans and rice in front of him. And he's like, what? No cheese. I'm like, no, no cheese. Because we also didn't have vegetarian cheese or, you know, there were not a lot of foods available for us. So we had to be very careful about food choices and things. If we were going to live that lifestyle, you had to shop in specialty places and it was much less convenient to to live a lifestyle if you were going to avoid and be a vegan. Nowadays, you know, I I am blown away with the number of foods that are plant-based that are now facim- facsimiles or, or similar to or replacements of like vegan chicken nuggets. Now, excuse me, I'm going to try not to go on to a rant about this, but I'm going to go into some food things in a second. Literally, it's the next thing on my list. But also, when we talk about trying to eat and improve our diets, our intake for health, we have to look at the processing of foods and how far from the vine the food is. And if it is a plant-based 
food, how much processing has it gone under, and is it still considered a healthful thing? Now, for the morality situation, that's another story. Again, for the religious aspect, it's another story. But if you're looking at health, we have to be careful about what kinds of things are we taking. And I'm just going to say this, this beyond meat thing has me has me beyond a little crazy. Mm. And mostly because that, yes, from what I've heard, it's absolutely tasty. But if you're looking at having a beyond burger, instead of a burger because of calories, you're the beyond burger is 260 calories just for the patty. It's 18 grams of fat and they they boast that it's 20 grams of protein, which is very nice because it's a it's a plant-based burger. But if you're going to get four, four four ounces of that is 260 calories. If you were to to make your own turkey burger at home, it's like you can buy them or actually you buy them and you cook them you cook them at home. There's a restaurant out by us that does serve them, but it's how much would a 93% lean turkey burger? For like a four, 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 ounces. four, four, four ounces, 160 calories. Yeah, so that's yeah. giving you an extra couple, you know, 100 grams ca- of fat, if that much. Yeah. Right, so an extra 100 calories and because, from right, from that, that extra bit of fat. And now if you're having a full, you know, full fat beef, like an 85 or lower, maybe even like 80%, fat, then the calories could be up there too. But you do have to just be aware that the ca- a calorie is a calorie and whether it's coming from something vegan, or it's coming from something non vegan or just anything at all, it still matters. <laughs> it still matters. And that and again, that just goes to that energy exchange. And there are, you know, other nutrients and things in consideration. But the reason why I, I guess that beyond burger is just getting to me is because it is just I, I kind of feel people are being marketed to about that. And because yeah. there are so many other products out there that are, are replacements for things, which is fine, but you're also probably spending a lot of money. So again, choices. Absolutely. If it's important to you, absolutely. And you have it in your budget. Absolutely. But it is it is something that I always say you just have to be very very aware of in the processed foods. Yeah, I will say, could you just explain, just in case anybody listening is a little bit confused by energy balance, uh, just so they understand what we mean by that. So when I talk about energy balance, I talk about the foods you consume, which will bring the calories or energy into your body and the energy expenditure, which is what you do in your daily life, whether it is just activities of everyday life or exercising, breathing, breathing, sleeping, (laughs) thinking, digesting, you know, playing with your dogs, all that kind of thing. So that's that in, in and out energy balance. And so for somebody who's maintaining their weight, their goal is to have their food intake and their energy balance be equal weight loss they have to be in a deficit somewhere. So either they consume less and or expend more. If you need to gain weight, you need to be in a caloric surplus. That's either increasing your food intake and or decreasing your activity. It is an equation. You know, everything in this world has to balance out. And that that is very true in your body. So if you think about that weight loss as part of that energy balance, right? So you want to have a negative energy balance if you're trying for weight loss, and a positive energy balance if you're trying to gain weight, and then a an equal energy balance, which would be maintenance and maintenance does kind of flow a little bit. It's easy to maintain with going, you know, a little bit in the surplus, a little bit in the deficit, a little bit at maintenance. That's how that's how a lot of our ladies make progress over time without having to to completely restrict 
food all the way into that super negative balance if we can just work on that body recomp. So, I mean, that's a little bit more insight into what we do with our ladies and gents. I always have to say and gents when they come to us. Absolutely. Absolutely. But again, the, the single most important or uh, number one reason for people to consider a vegetarian approach is often weight loss. Now we often will get people who are focusing in on changing their physique in terms of building muscle body recomposition, which we encourage first and foremost over the weight loss, uh, you know, improving your metabolic rate and things like that. And you can work on increasing your muscle mass in a vegetarian or vegan situation. But again, I'm going to go into a few more details on this. It can be very hard. There are some people who just genetically are really good at being able to build muscle. And there are people that have to fight to the nail for every tiny little muscle fiber. And so, you know, you kind of, you probably have an idea of what kind of person you are, but again, you know, the food choices you make and how much protein you need, how much carbohydrate, how much fat, you know, those things are going to be a flux and they're going to change depending on what you're are you going energies. to talk about different plant-based proteins? Yes. Because I I think I want to ask you a question real quick. First, just about protein intake in mm-hmm. general. Yeah. So talking, kind of looking at a couple different people, you know, let's say someone is small, 105 pounds, what like their protein intake would look like. So why don't you explain that, and then I'll throw some other, that's a great some other quizzes at you. I'm quizzing. Are you looking today. at my notes here? No, yeah. that's great. That's great. So, so this is a good question because a lot of times people will say, "Well, how much protein do I need?" And again, there's a lot of factors that go into looking at this: where you are in terms of your age, where you are in terms of your goals, in terms of you know, are you a man or a woman? But baseline for most healthy adults for just healthy activity, if you are needing a guide for uh, for the lowest level of protein that is going to be good for you, you can look if at... If you are 105 pounds. So I, I need my calculator. So <laughs> you would take 105, yep. okay, and you would divide that by, I'm hoping I'm going to do this right, 2.2, because that's going to give you how many kilograms body weight. A lot of these are done in the metric system. Just bear with me because scientific research is often done in the metric system. Did you say divide or? Divided by 2.2. That's 47.8. So let's say 50 grams of protein. Uh, No, no. That's 47.8. That's how much this person weighs in kilograms. Oh, got it, got it. Now you're going to multiply that number. By 0.8? By Mm 0.8. Math is hard, guys. Thirty-eight point one. So, so that that forty grams of protein would be the minimum. Base, okay, the very baseline. But, but so this is the this is why I brought this up because a lot of people are under the impression that they need one gram per pound of body weight, and we have we get these girls that are eating 150, 160 grams of protein when they're maybe 145 pounds, or you know, even when our we have girls that come in at two hundred. 50 pounds, we're not putting you on anywhere near over 150 grams of protein. Absolutely. Um, okay, so Absolutely. continue. So, so that's a very baseline. Then we start to say, well, this person is is active. This person lifts Relatively weights. Lean. This person wants to increase their lean muscle mass. Then we up it from there. Mm-hmm. So that's usually where people, you know, start to 
have been advised, push your protein up, push your protein up. There is a point where a person, I don't want to say they cap out on their ability to make muscle, but it is. And and it is a little more gray than, you know, people would like to know it's exactly 1.5. No, you kind of have to play with it. But if you go up a little bit higher than what you think you need, then anything excessive of what your body can handle, it will be just utilized as calories. And in some situations, that's okay. Not bad. Yeah. yeah that, you know, especially if you are a person, say you're a hard gainer and you just have a really hard time gaining muscle mass, I more err on the side of a little bit more protein. Mm-hmm. Now, protein also for many people in a weight loss program adds a little bit of, and I use this word all the time and people always say, what does that mean? The word is satiety. That means satisfied. So it has a satisfied factor, a satiety factor because of the way that it is digested. It's a little bit slower than carbohydrates, but not as slow as fats. So, you know, if you eat a really high fat meal, you feel super stuffed for five, six hours. Protein is this beautiful kind of in between the Mm -hmm. rapid absorption and the slower absorption. Mm -hmm. So fat can, I mean, I'm sorry, protein can be a kind of like a rudder in the diet. So many times when people do embark on a weight loss diet, they will eat a little bit more protein, but there is a point of diminishing returns. Mm -hmm. You know, there's some studies about too much protein and health risks for kidney problems, you know, kidney stones and things. And yes, you know, those, they can be situations, but If you think about it, if you're hydrating well and doing that, the risk of that is less. And especially if we have somebody who is vegan or vegetarian, they rarely push the upper limits of that protein. So it is not often one that we really worry about. But did that answer? Yes, it did. And so I just want to explain to you guys, if you want to use that calculation, you'll just take what your body weight is and you'll uh, you'll divide it. I'm sorry for by 2.2, which is uh, the conversion to get pounds into kilograms. And then you're going to multiply that by your baseline, which is 0.8. It can go anywhere up to like from 1.8 to 1.2 getting to like 1.5 is you know a little bit typically for men that are hard gainers for baseline not um, for somebody who's really working on improving their right physique. so for a for a bodybuilding competitor it may be even higher if they have that specific goal but for most people, the biggest concern for them is, but where do you get your protein if they're vegan? And that's a question that I see plastered everywhere. Anytime anybody talks about the fact that they're vegan and if they're lean and they're in shape, they're like, but what do you do? And the truth is, is that you don't, like we said before, need too much protein. So it really is a way if your energy, if we have that energy balance for whichever your goal is to just have your calories in check and the protein at at least the minimum, if not a little more, but it's totally manageable. Absolutely. I do want to take, before I go into some great protein sources for people who want to have more plant-based proteins, I do want to explain a a real important fundamental difference between a plant-based protein and a animal-based protein. So this is not something that people talk a lot about because it gets really complicated. And, you know, many of us in the fitness industry, we hear about these branch chain amino acids and we're sucking down the branch chain amino acids left and right to preserve our protein in our muscle between our workouts, blah, blah, blah. But there is another aspect of amino of proteins that are animal based that are exclusive to animal based. And those are called the essential amino acids. Now there are essential amino acids in the 
plant-based, but think of a lock and key. An essential amino acid needs to be in a group for best absorption. So animal proteins come prepackaged with all the essential amino acids in the exact ratio that your body needs. Now, if we go ahead and consume a plant-based protein, it often will lack one of those keys to fit together with the other essential amino acids. So in order to make a complete, to make a complete protein. So it is it can be done and it's done through food combinations. And so it means that if you just ate beans alone, you would be missing some of the essential amino acids. But if you combined it with rice, the essential amino acids all of a sudden from the rice and beans together form that complete protein. So this is where, and even if you look at it, Culturally, you know, when you look at vegan or vegetarian cultures, they usually can survive very well because they have in their diets in nature have combined vegetables, fruits and things together for plant for complete proteins. Exactly. And to make you guys understand this a little bit better, I'm sure all of you have at some point in your life taken a an antibiotic or some sort of medication that tells you not to have grapefruit juice with it or, or orange juice. What else do they? Oh, usually it's a grapefruit, grapefruit juice, juice that juice interferes with at, the absorption. Because it interferes with the absorption. So if you think about that, you probably have all had that like, oh, like that's weird. I don't drink grapefruit juice anyway. Uh, but that's another example of something preventing your body from absorbing everything that it needs. So we tend not to think about in as much detail because it's so complicated and, and the body is so... <laughs> amazing that we don't think about the little things, the mechanisms that are going on in our bodies. And so when you think about the food that you're putting into your body, that really is going to drive your health one way or another. And so when Jules talks about these things about making it work and paying attention to these different food combinations to maximize the fact that you may be vegan and still needing to get all of your macro and micronutrients. Exactly. So I want to talk specifically about soy and soy products because... Can we have some myths on soy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to talk just conceptually about why, number one, soy is very cheap to grow. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to say that, hence beyond meat, but okay, I'm (laughs) going to stop there. But it also is one of the plant-based proteins that is probably closer to, you know, it has a really good essential amino acid. It's not great, but also the more that you actually can process soy through some um, fermentation processes, such as what happens um, when it's made tofu and tempeh, especially that natural, that natural fermentation, it happens in nature, but we can force it along actually improves the, the essential amino acid combination. So when somebody says they have soy, I say, okay, well, we may not want to have too much soy, but if you are going to have soy, let's look at it in the best format for your body to have in something like tofu and tempeh, as I said, especially, is the bioavailability of this protein for you. And things like edamame, it's just that is like the whole soy, you know, the soybean. soybean. You know, there's been a lot of research about soy. There's been a lot of fictions, facts, myths, controversies about soy, we do know that high soy consumption, especially the high processed soy, so I'm talking about soy used in a lot of these 
package things beyond like the tempeh, um, but more like soy is chopped up and pulverized and added and baked and fried and whatever they do to it, that there has been some some increased incidence of some problems with that, with hormones and potentially medications and thyroid situations and stuff like that. So if you have a medical situation that may be tied into your endocrine system, you may want to discuss this with your doctor on how much soy products to consume. And so you just have to kind of be careful about that. But the biggest thing is that if you are going to eat a lot of processed vegan vegetarian things that you kind of keep the soy in balance. So I'm going to go over a few other options for you to yeah. give you a little more variety. Real quick though, Beyond Meat is not soy. Oh, Beyond Meat's not soy. It's well, pea I, protein. I am completely corrected so, on that, but pea protein. It's yes. pea protein. And so I do think that the companies out there who are coming out with these new products are recognizing that people do not want as much soy and they're doing their best to find alternative Things, but that's why something like the Beyond Meat Burger is so expensive because it's pea protein. It's pea protein, not, not soy, protein. soy protein. Well, yes, yes. No, it's it's true. There's so many products out there that, and they switch, you know, the bases and they improve and new improve. And they, so again, pay attention to the labels and read the ingredients on things because again, you may be getting some things in there that are not what you think. So, um, Clearly, beans and legumes, peas are legumes, and and so those are great sources, again, of um, non-animal protein. So look for products with that. And when I list these, I want you to think about having a variety of them, and that is a big mistake. A lot of Mm. people who follow uh, vegetarian or vegan diets is they tend, just like most of us, you know, we fall into sort of a routine of the foods that we eat try to get as much variety because you're less likely to have holes in your nutrition just by rotation of foods. But nuts will have some protein. Again, remember nuts have some protein, but they also are very high in fat. Great fat, you know, healthful fats. But again, a handful of nuts. I have a small hand. So my handful (laughs) is different from my husband's handful. So when people say, oh, I have a handful of nuts, maybe actually throw it into a measuring cup or on a food scale and get an idea of how much you're consuming of that, especially if energy balance is important. Right. And especially if you're finding that you're not eating a lot all day because you don't have access to vegan foods and then you're home at night and you're starving and you can't really think of anything else to eat and everything else you'd have to prepare because you're probably eating something fresh. If you're, if you are eating a vegetarian or vegan lifestyle, a lot of people do that. Be careful not to just eat the whole thing in nuts because right there it's, it's not helping with the energy balance. With the general energy yeah. balance. Absolutely. And um, there's another product called spir- spirulina. It's actually an algae. It is very high in protein. It has a lot of different B vitamins. It does not have vitamin B12. And I'll talk about B12 in a second. But the nice thing about spirulina is you can find it many different places. And it is a product that can be thrown into um, smoothies, Mm -hmm. it can be put into baked products. So it is a great way to boost your protein, say you're baking a bread, and you want to have that protein factor get boosted up in that. So you're going to throw in some of your nuts and, you know, (laughs) yeah, I would suggest anybody who's 
who is vegan to be using spirulina because it really is a great way. You're probably, most vegans I know are making a smoothie at least once a day. So it's a great way to get your food in. And and not everybody is loves food. Like not everybody is happy eating all day long. Some people just literally eat for fuel, which is like, that's great for you. A lot of people don't. But if that's something that you're looking for, just quick ways to just add to your nutrition. And so it's not something you have to constantly think about, especially as a vegan, you have a little bit more limitations, especially when it comes to friends asking you to go out to eat. And you're like, well, I don't think I can find anything. Um, using spirulina will really help you just get that protein intake in. So I definitely suggest that. Yeah, spirulina is, is a great one. Yeah. Also, before I go on to the next food, I want to talk about the vitamin B12. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I'm going to wait. Do it. Wait. The next um, area to to look at are some of the grains, and quinoa is one that has really raised its you know its lovely little tiny little head in the years. Um, And there's many different types of quinoa. Quinoa is a protein rich grain. So you, if you take quinoa, believe it or not, and throw it with some of your beans and legumes, you're getting a little bit more of that essential amino acid complex together. But it is a great way, again, to boost protein intake on salads or in vegetable casseroles and things like that, that, and, you know, and has a great flavor, you know, a nutty, nice little flavor. One interesting thing I've just had anecdotally, I've had quite a few people who have trouble digesting quinoa. Mm -hmm. And I and that's just totally anti anecdotal. But I think it also has a pretty high fiber content. And it's easy to consume a large quantity of it. So just small, it's so small. And it's very tasty. So just, you know, it is one of those things. If that happens to you, let me know. I'm just curious, just because a few I know several people who have said, you know, every time I eat that salad with quinoa in it, I get a really um, upset stomach a little while later. So anyway, not to say that it is a regular thing, but I I feel like that happens to me. That's why I don't eat it. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of people have said it, but it is, it is a great source of protein. Um, There's also another one that this is often used in uh, food production of uh, animal, uh, non-animal products. And it's, um, it's called Michael mycoproteins and it's a fungus based protein so mushroom based it is often used in the processed food things there have been quite a few cases of companies um actually using eggs you know egg whites to mix with this to hold it in place so kind of hold it together so again this is what you have to be really (laughs) careful i think that with the awareness these days and the expansion of the non-animal protein foods, companies have to be more clearly up and up on it so that they um, will be caught. But as I said before, you know, 30 years ago, there would be very few companies that would make these foods. So, you know, how do you get this myco protein to stick together where you need something to stick it together. So uh, the companies have to be creative and use different things to make it palatable, make it tasty. Also seeds such as chia and hemp seeds, again, great sources of protein, but you have to consume a large quantity of them. And they also are higher fat foods, great healthy fats, lots of wonderful um, nutrients in those 
in those items. But again, you're making a bread, you're making, you know, your cereals or your, you know, a granola or something, throw these in to boost the protein content of them. Yeah. Um, And that's, that's another thing though. Even I just ate before we did the podcast, I had some rice cakes with some chia seed sunflower butter or whatever. Mm, So tasty. Super good. But it makes me think when I was using like a while back, like nuts and more, which is a, which is a protein infused peanut butter or whatever. And they were using just protein powder. And now there are a lot of ways to get, you know, the protein added into something like a nut butter without having to use a protein powder. And I think that companies are doing a great job adding the healthier foods, uh, the ones that actually give you, you know, more bang for your buck in terms of nutrition or nutrients. Uh, And it's just, it's really helpful to see all those things. So just keep your eye out when you're looking around, even if you're not a vegan or a vegetarian, like see other ways that you can get nutrients because it's not just vegans who struggle to hit their, their micronutrient goals. It can be anybody. So the, the thing I love about the vegan lifestyle is that most people who are really in it and they're invested, they are truly trying to be their healthiest. So all calorie balance aside, it can be extremely helpful to change your diet. And once you start to change that, then you can start to get the calorie intake in a place where you can say, okay, I'm comfortable with eating this way. And I I can make progress still. Absolutely. It's taking what the foods that you're eating and then making the adjustments in the portions to make, and it's like, maybe you need a little bit more of these plant-based proteins to get the protein up, but maybe you need to bring down some of the higher fats from processed foods. Exactly. Exactly. And, and also, Oh, my brain just lost the thought. (laughs) You said something about the energy balance, but I'll move on. I can't remember. I'll have to go back and listen to the podcast and go, that was the topic. My question is, are you guys keeping up? That's that's a good question. But it it is important. Oh, you were saying, yes, I do find the people who make the choice because it is especially ethical reasons or, or severe health reasons, those are the people that are going to spend the time to look at the labels. They're going to be the ones that are going to buy the or, or Google the recipes that are going to give them the more, most bang for the buck yeah. on those. I just want to make a couple of notes. I was going to talk about this before with one of the specific foods about some of the nutrients that might be lacking that we just have to be aware of. Clearly, you know, protein and and studies have shown that people who follow vegan and and vegetarian lifestyles do often consume the lowest amount of protein across a population for the good or the bad. You know, sometimes people consume too much protein too, but also they have the lowest amount intake of calcium and iron and many B vitamins, but especially vitamin B12. And vitamin B12 is very important. It is a B vitamin that can only be found in animal products. There are some, well, I shouldn't say only, there are some other B12 places that you can find food, but it's like you need like to consume sauerkraut or something. Yeah, no, it's, it's bee pollen and a yeah. few other things. But you, And you can use bee pollen by all means, but usually you have to add a significant amount to it. So we do have to be aware of 
where can you get some of these other nutrients that you might be missing? And so it might be a consideration if I was working with somebody who was adopting a lifestyle where food categories are eliminated, that we might consider adding a multivitamin and mineral supplement. And there are wonderful vegan suppliers of those. So, um, you know, again, it's just making sure none of the holes are missing in your food intake and your food choices. And my biggest suggestion, again, is if you're going to choose this lifestyle, that you don't limit your food intake so much. So if you're the kind of person that says, well, I don't like 90% of the things that we talked about, then maybe, maybe this lifestyle isn't for you. (laughs) Because if you sit there and said, no, I don't want to eat any grains. No, I don't want to eat any nuts or legumes. Um, No, I absolutely cannot have any soy. It may be harder for you not to say it's impossible, but truly it is tough. And, but the people who make the choice are usually very committed to doing it and can do it successfully with thought and uh, put into it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that we probably did a great job explaining all that. <laughs> she, Jules, Jules was on, on a roll with everything today. Is there anything else that you wanted to... Except for my little mix-up about the... You're uh, fine. My <laughs> brain mishap there. No, I think those are the biggest, the biggest things that I had to cover on this um, yeah. veganism. I guess... One last thought for me is that if you are going to adopt this, realize that that's that's always your choice and somebody's choice not to follow your choice of uh, lifestyle is not a judgment on you or them. And try not to be a zealot. I'm not a zealot about things. And I think that I hear a lot of people out there on social media really becoming zealots one way or another. And I think we need to respect each other's opinions, but also let's look at the facts. Let's, yeah. be, let's be realistic that's about what, it. That's what I'll say about it is that I will, if someone wants to eat keto, I will say, okay, great. But if they're not seeing the results that they want to see by eating a particular way, so it it may not be keto, but oftentimes it is, you have to be willing to change things and adopt new things and learn new things in order to make the progress that you want to make. Because you can't ask for one thing and then, you know, say, hey, I want a program or something and then say, well, I'm not going to follow the program. Why am I still not making any progress? And so that comes from, I mean, and that goes into, you know, being coachable or being open to different things. Uh, But a lot of times people come to us and they say things like, well, this is what I'm doing and I'm not making any progress. And then we go back and give them, you know, the protocol to follow and they say, well, I don't want to do that. And it's kind of like, okay, well, then you're not going to make the progress that you want. Maybe you'll find a different method, but we've what what we do has has proven over and over again to be very successful. Uh, And, you know, especially with with our vegan clients. And I'll just say that I have quite a few girls that choose to either eat plant based or, you know, even I just had one girl come in uh, into this most recent challenge and she's a vegan. And I had we had calculated Jules and I had calculated the macros, we had set her up with them. And she said, you know, I'm not quite I'm not questioning you, which was I always love when the girls say that, like, I'm not questioning you, I'm just trying to understand. And like, I'm all for that. I love it. And but her question was, you know, why is my protein so low? And for for what we do, and how we work with, with our clients is that especially if we see someone who is trying to lose weight, trying to lose body fat, build lean muscle, we also have to take into account all of their other lifestyle factors. So for 
for this particular person, they were not eating as many of the whole foods for the protein. So I knew by setting her calories at a certain level and her protein so high, she was very unlikely to hit the protein goal with making the switch of the actual food she was eating. So moving her away from excessive moving, processed foods. Exactly. Yes. And so and so for that reason is that and the way that we work is it's progressive. So we try to hit that 75 grams of protein goal. You know, we get a couple weeks in and then we say, all right, how can we add 10 more grams? So it's not that when your protein goal is set low, that it won't ever increase. And that's what I suggest for a lot of you. If you do want to live this lifestyle, set a, a manageable protein goal for yourself and get your calories in order, start to follow that and and figure out what the right calorie balance is because you will see progress. Even if your protein is, you know, 70 grams lower than you were trying to hit before. And then as you go, as you start to train harder and you start to get your nutrition in order, like I said, you'll be able to add that protein and see even more progress. Yeah. And I think the focus um, that we go with, whether it is for a short-term challenge or for even our, well, I don't want to say our competition prep people, but after prep is sustainability, finding, finding a lifestyle that you really can commit to that you can find sustainable through the ins and outs of your daily life. Not to say that things are perfect all the time. Absolutely not. But it is something that through the chaos of everyday life that landing there is a good place for you. Mm -hmm. And that's really the focus of the overall health and fitness and the lifestyle approach. And again, when we have to push for more change, then we can push the the ranges a little bit. Yeah, but that's the thing, though, is that they if most people want to get to a particular body composition and we want to get you there but the whole point is being able to maintain you at that body composition that you desire and so it comes from a long-term plan and it comes from weeks and months and sometimes years of making changes throughout your your diet and your training regimen to get you to that happy place. And so, yeah, we could say, fine, like no processed foods, don't eat this, 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 fine. Six weeks, you'll lose a bunch of weight. But then when you get to the end of the six weeks and you're not fed properly and it's not a sustainable thing, you're not going to be able to keep it there. And then you're going to fall into this constant, I was doing so great and then I fell off. And the best thing in the world for myself and and Joel's, I'm sure, is someone saying, I finally got this thing down. Like I'm enjoying, I'm eating enough. I'm, you know, I'm not tired. I'm feeling great. My digestion's awesome. I love what I eat, all of these things. And for that person, that's like, in my eyes, the ultimate place to get to. Because once you're there, once you're happy with all of those things, you're even more motivated to, to stay there and to push harder. And so it really does come from putting yourself into a good rhythm and a good routine and feeling good in order to make the progress. So this can be applied to, you know, a vegetarian or vegan lifestyle or just any lifestyle in general that you choose to live is that sustainability factor. And, you know, I could go on and on about that for for hours. But for those who are out there listening to this, because maybe you're just curious or you want to find out more information, clearly you could reach out to us and Ellen usually does the all the information, but I'll <laughs> share with you our website, www.bestfitbody.com. If you want to email me or Elle, uh, 
fitbody.gmail.com. Oh, I am having trouble with I mean, my- it's habit when we have <laughs> when we have bestfitbody.com and bestfitbody at gmail.com. So don't worry, everything will be in the description box of the episode. I if you're listening to this on Spotify, I'd love to know because we just got the podcast on Spotify. So we are on Spotify and iTunes and uh, SoundCloud as well for anybody who is an Android user and doesn't use Spotify for some reason. And lastly, I do just want to say that we are running phase two of our fall challenge, which is with myself and our other coach, Laura. Uh, she's writing the workouts. I'm, you know, she's helping me run the challenge. You guys get macros, a nice, fun group chat. I'm capping this next one at 65. We have 65 in this first one. I'm going to cap the next one at 65. So that starts on October 13th of 2019 and registration is open now so you can go on our website and you can you can click on in there uh and then Jules has a program that she runs that she's been very successful with and if you want to explain a little bit about that yeah real quick yeah this is a program that we launched I want to say a little more than a year ago and it just came from the fact that we have a lot of people who have been exercising or training and focusing on their nutrition for a while, and they're just not quite getting where they want to go. And with all of the exposure to uh, physique competitions, bodybuilding competitions, people are very inspired by those athletes, but they may not see themselves ever wanting to compete. Competitions by far are not for everybody. And that does not mean that you might not want to look like you could compete, which I think is what many of us want. So I have a program, we have a program in Team Best Fit Body called Look Like a Competitor. And it is a 12-week program. It is the highest level of accountability and um, I want to say focus that you can have for getting your body in the shape that you want to get as if you were a competitor, but with no show at the end of the 12 weeks. The response to it has been phenomenal. The response from it has been amazing. And after the 12 weeks are over, we have lots of options for you to continue on your fitness journey, whatever that may be. But I love that program because you have so much access to me as a trainer, as somebody with decades in the nutrition industry, decades. decades. (laughs) And I always say, you know, come to me with all your nutrition questions. We cover lifestyle, we cover eating out, we cover how to deal with illness, because it's going to happen within a 12 week frame vacation we talk talk about everything everything. we talk about your poops like we we, if only if you'd like to Uh, whatever is on your mind but I also have the highest expectations from those people in terms of you know getting the training done but also learning about the training I want you to ask me you know what's a drop set or when can when should I use this you know so anyway Looks like a competitor program. Yeah. If you have more questions about it, reach out. Reach out. Thank you guys for listening to this long podcast today. And we will talk to you soon.